Welcome to the show. It is party time, and it's Tuesday, which, of course, you know is just Monday's hangover. Uh, usually takes me the weekend to get into Monday and and all the stuff that went on through the weekend, talk about all that stuff, and then I think about all the stuff I said on Monday and the residual effects that it has on me, and it just sits on my shoulders on Tuesday, and then I have to get all the stuff I thought about off my chest. Does any of that make sense, guys? Any of that make sense? So it's a hangover. It's Monday's hangover. Uh, just when I get things the way I like them around here, the puppet master Mark leaves us. Leaves us, I tell you. The hell, Mark? Uh, he got a job. He's got another job. He's got another gig. On to bigger and better things. We'll talk more about that later on in the week. But, uh, of course, the puppet master Mark, he is still here at the helm, driving us into the nether regions of all things insanity. And, of course, uh, Super Chris Cruz and Let's Love Brand. Look at Mark. Just look at him. Just look at the camera, Mark. Wave to everybody. There it is. You know, I thought about we should put like a compilation reel together of all the things Mark has said for the last five years. <laughs> It'd be a 30-second reel. <laughs> I know. It'd be that kind of cracky, you know. Um, every now and then it would blink up there, one, one statement up there, and he'd go, pretty good. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, uh most of you may not care, but it's CJ's birthday today. She's a, she turned 38. I shouldn't say that, should I? She's a baby. She's a baby. I robbed the cradle, man. I absolutely robbed the cradle. And, uh, of course, I, I put her picture up there on Facebook today, and she hates that picture. I think it's a great picture. But, uh, and, uh, anyway. Happy birthday, girl. And uh, and it's the last day of February heading into March. I, I tell you, I was looking at my calendar the other day, and, I, and I'm just like, this, this year's going to fly by, too. It's scary when you think about it, guys. Um, and for the records, Thursday night, I'm going to be at a Sam's Burger Joint. I love that place. A great music venue. Uh, Thursday night in San Antonio. ChadPraytherLive.com has the information. Then we're going to be in uh granbury texas for a return event there i think we were there about six months ago and it's already sold out uh there at that theater and then um cleveland texas over by uh lake livingston that's that's a cool little theater the texan theater and i think that one sold out too there's a couple of singles so if ever if you're out there and you want to kind of wander over to the country there to cleveland texas buy a ticket for that theater you buy yourself you don't have a date whatever come on we'll put you up and uh, come hang out with us. Anyway, uh, what I want to get into today. You know, sometimes you come in here and you sit down in the chair and, and it's just like, uh, you know, Chris is, Chris is real good about throwing some headlines my way and some, and some good topics and some videos that we could talk about. And then, and then him and Brandon get together and try to figure out ways they could piss me off and, and get me riled up because that makes for good content on social media. And, uh, and apparently it works because we've added, I don't know what, 8,000 new subscribers on YouTube in the last yeah, two weeks. Yeah, about eight, 9,000. So, you know, that's fantastic. We've been putting some of those short reels out there that just last, you know, a minute. And uh, those actually work really well. Um, I can't say that it necessarily translates into bigger numbers overall on the view count, but we're, we're growing that YouTube account. Um, and we appreciate that. So if you're watching, if you're in the live chat and, and you're – you know, saying hello to everybody. Stop for a second. Go over there and hit like on this video. Be sure to share it. If you're on Twitter, share the show over there. Share it on your Facebook. Uh, it's kind of hard to share the links, 
But uh, more importantly, head over to blazetv.com slash Chad and, and sign up. Become a member of the Blaze family. Use promo code Chad. Save, uh, save a few bucks on an annual subscription and be a part of what we do. Now, here's I don't know why this popped into my head. I was sitting there in the dressing room, and I've been thinking about this for the last several hours. And I, I texted Chris. I said, Chris, I want you to... I want you to pull this up for me because this thing's just been resonating in my head. Now, I try not to get too preachy. I love to yell at you guys because it's, it's good therapy for me. But I want to get this off my chest. And I, I don't necessarily know why, but I just felt really strong that I needed to kind of take you into the New Testament for a minute. And, uh, you know, just flip the pages over to 2 Timothy 3. And, of course, this is Paul's second letter. He's in prison. The Apostle Paul, he's in prison. He's writing to his disciple, Timothy. And right there in the first verse, he says, I want you to mark this. I want you, I want you to put a check mark right here on, the, on this in your mind. He said, I want you to pay attention to this. Highlight it, underscore it, asterisk it, whatever it is. He says, there's going to be terrible times in the last days. And I know that a lot of us jump into saying, oh, man, Jesus is going to come back and rescue us and save us and all this kind of stuff. I think when in the first century, when those first century Christians were talking about the last days, they, they, it was a broader space of time, right? They're, they're thinking in light of eternity. We, we think in terms of this linear timeline where these, there's little marks on that timeline where significant things happen both in history and in life. But, but these guys were writing in light of eternity. So are we in the last days? Yes, I, we always have been. That's my interpretation of that. Um, but, but then you start to see an exponential increase in the way behavior happens in the last days as time continues to go forward. Again, I've told you about, uh, you know, Newton's second law of thermodynamics, that law of entropy, how things in motion eventually tend to fall apart. Well, that's true of culture. That's true of society. It's true of time. And so the apostle Paul says there are going to be terrible times in the last days, um, he says people are going to be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And then he says something very stark, very shocking, because you're thinking, yeah, these people out there that are that are out there, they're in the streets and they're acting crazy and, you know, people protesting and people at each other's throats and and these godless people out there that have no sense of morality. He says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. That's interesting to me because we've talked a lot lately about the American church. If you have not seen the segment that I did with Stu Bergier on Stu Does America last week. It's on my Instagram. You can go and watch. It's on Stu's as well. You can go watch that full 13-minute clip where we talk about the state of the church, specifically in, the, in America, but, uh, you know, uh, of course, the world as well, and how it's become powerless. It's become commercialized. It's become disconnected, disenfranchised, just kind of disembodied. There's no real sense of fellowship or relationship there. There's no covenant. There's no communion. There's no sense of 
there's it's powerless, right? It's another social club in lots of ways. Now, I know there are people who are going to send me messages and say, your church is different. That's fantastic. But by and large, it has a form of godliness, but it's it's denied its power. In other words, as long as they're growing, as long as the bills are being paid and everything is comfortable and they're putting on a good show week after week, um, you know, they have the form of godliness, but they're not worried about any power. And I've said over and over that the American church is not changing culture as we know it. It's not changing anything. Uh, people aren't being transformed. I pray that changes. You know, I have people who say to me, we need a revival. Um, I, I don't believe in revival as we talk about it. I, revival, if you read in the Bible, revival is an Old Testament concept. Um, once the New Testament was written, Jesus said, I'm going to send you another helper who's just like me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit who's going to be with you, going to be inside of you. Acts chapter 2, when they were baptized by the power of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit began to inhabit them, they didn't need to be revived. They were made alive once and forevermore. So revival was an Old Testament term before the Spirit lived in God's people. In the New Testament, what we need is reformation. What we need is a true return back to Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus said, I want you to go out into the world to make disciples of all the nations and baptize them in my name. When you go out there and recreate the Spirit of Christ in other people, that's what creates what we call revival. It's not really revival. It's just doing what the New Testament commanded you to do. The reason we don't have that power, the reason we don't see that transformation, the reason we don't see reformation happening is because we've escaped away from the truth and we've embraced something that uh, that has a form of godliness but denies the power. We're not fulfilling our marching orders. So what we do is we look at we look at society as a whole. We look at all of us, and and you know you would think that um, that that the apostle Paul would be giving descriptions of like Sodom and Gomorrah or some kind of lascivious lifestyles, but just lovers of yourself. I mean, I mean, look at all of us, all of us. Look at us. Social media has exposed just how much we love ourselves. I mean, we're a selfie society. We're worried about pronouns. We're worried about people offending us. Uh, lovers of money. Everybody's out there chasing that. And by the way, when the Bible, the Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil because that then it becomes a God to you and you begin to chase that and that alone. That becomes a high priority. You know, lovers of money, you're boastful, you're proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, man. I mean, when you got, when, you, when you're living in a world where, you know, families are turning against each other over, you know, political views or uh, social views, and and they refuse to relate to one another. Um, this is what's happening here. You you just completely throw off all authority and those roles that God has placed on society and on people to function by to make their life work in order have been cast off, and we've just become lawless. So when He says disobedient to parents, ungrateful. I mean, how hard is it to say thank you and to be gracious, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers? Listen, you talking about brutal. Did you have y'all seen that clip where the guy in St. Louis is just casually loading the gun right there on the street and then just executes a homeless guy? I mean, right there, and then somebody's going to sit there and film it, not even try to interrupt what's going on. The guy just casually loads a gun. Sticks it to the back of the head, and I mean, he he loads it for a full sixty seconds, and then sticks it to the back of the head of a homeless guy sitting there on the curb and shoots him. And a lot of people have said it's fake. It's not fake. This it's brutal, is what it is. And so this these are the worlds we're living in, man. And so I'm sitting here saying, 
you know, what do we do about this? The Apostle Paul, here's what he says, because I have people who, who say to me all the time, every week, they say, you're a person who creates division. You are, uh, you, you are part of the problem in society. If you truly were a person of faith, you know, I've called myself a, a theistic barbarian. You know, I, I'm pretty wild in the things I say, the way I go about it, but I do have a belief factor there i had to have a faith foundation and people say no you don't believe any of that stuff you know we put these flags out there that says in this house we believe jesus is lord and they're like you proclaim that but you don't you know you you're out there you know dividing everybody well let me tell you something G- jesus said i didn't come to bring peace but a sword he said i'm going to set you know uh, children apart from their parents there's going to be division in families even he's we're going to separate there's going to be division because it's not that we're trying to be offensive in order to def- to uh, to divide but truth in and of itself and how you respond to truth is what does the dividing it's just like uh you know if the sun hits wax the wax melts if the sun hits clay the clay hardens right so that's why in the book of exodus it talks about moses you know his heart was softened when god would begin to do things these these powerful things but pharaoh of egypt says his heart was hardened it was the same it was the same power that was happening, the same signs, the same uh, things that God was doing, but those activities had different effects on different people because they were made up of different things. So truth may soften you or truth may harden you. And you say, well, it's all about all coming together. Well, no, I'm telling you, it's not about all coming together because even the apostle Paul says in verse five of second Timothy three, he says, have nothing to do with such people separate yourself from such people because in these last days it's more important now than ever before that you find truth you embrace it you left that let that truth not only soften you but transform you because folks i'm telling you there's nothing that's going to save us i put on twitter this morning i said if if you're going to pick your hero which person from the biden administration if we have some apocalypse if we have some armageddon-like activity event that happens in our life who's going to save you Pete Buttigieg going to put on his hard hat and come swinging in and save you? He's not. Is, is some transgender person in the cabinet going to come in there? They're not. So all of these ideologies, that, and, and listen, it's true. There's no politician on either side that's going to come in to save you. The media is not going to save you. The, the elites are not going to save you. Hollywood's not going to save you. Believe it or not, believe it or not, people like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, they, they're not going to come you know, flying in and save the day. They're not. The only thing that's going to save you is truth and a foundation of faith and being able to make sure that you have prepared yourself both inwardly and outwardly to deal with the hardships that are going to come. Hard times are going to create strong men. Right now, we don't have strong men. We don't have strong women. We don't have strong people. We have people who are, again, upset over a pronoun they're upset over political correctness they're upset over the color of somebody's skin and how we respond to that and handle it correctly or incorrectly we're we're more interested in canceling people and engaging our safe spaces than we are embracing the truth this is why we have disinformation campaigns when it came to covid when it came to lab leaks when it came to election faults uh and just the the way that thing fell apart because we know that we have a faulty election system, all these things. If you try to talk about it, you'll get canceled because if you try to bring truth and shine light on these things that they want to keep dark, 
They have such a lovers. They're such lovers of themselves and protecting their way that they'll cancel you. They will eradicate you from society rather than deal with the truth you bring. So have nothing to do with such people. So on this show, we're going to try to tell you the truth. And when I say it, when it comes out of my mouth, trust me when I tell you, I believe it. I believe it. I doesn't mean I'm always right. But when I say it, I believe it. So we're going to get into some of that today. We're going to talk about some practical aspects of that. Um, but anyway, um, study up on that. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. All right, friends, with so much chaos and danger in the world these days, I do want you to stock up on, uh, on some... Um, uh, emergency food right away okay so you're going to need this food and it now's the time to get it before it's too late mypatriotsupply.com has what you need and when you stock up on their popular three-month emergency food kit you're also going to get two hundred dollars worth of survival gear as a free bonus so yesterday i went to the website and i was looking at all the stuff they're going to give away some really cool stuff stuff that just practical stuff some things you don't think about needing like you know a, a radio flashlight um that you can crank up and, and you these kind of things are just really good gear that you don't even think about you need sometimes. So uh, and those are the kind of things you need if, if, if things start to fall apart. So um, anytime you've got to fend for yourself, you want to be able to go to your stock and see that you got food, see that you got supplies. They'll help you at MyPatriotSupply.com. Free $200 bonus gift comes with each three-month emergency food kit. Get one kit for every member of your family. Be prepared. Now, the offer's not going to last, so check it off your list. Sleep better knowing your family won't suffer in a worst-case scenario. Like I said, the Biden administration's not coming to save you. MyPatriotSupply.com. Get the free shipping as well. MyPatriotSupply.com. Take care of yourself. We'll be right back. Chris, Brandon, whoever's controlling that thing over there. Um, let's, it, I don't know if people have seen this thing or not, but there's a, this Muslim school board member. Um, yeah, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to this later in the show, but go ahead and, go ahead and just play, play that clip of what she had to say about uh, World War II and Iwo Jima. Play it. You have it? Did we lose it? Uh, there's also a lot of history in February. Uh, you know, I, a number of community members reached out to me just a few days ago was Japanese Day of Remembrance, something for us to certainly reflect on as we learn our history and, and, and think about it. Uh, the days when, you know, Iwo Jima uh, unfortunately happened and, and set a record for really what, uh, I hate to say, human evil is capable of. And so that's something just to remember, uh, especially actually in advance of Holocaust Remembrance Day, which is coming up, and just so many moments for us to think about what human beings are capable of uh, and how we can turn turn the tide and turn the trajectory to make sure that we're building better for the next generation. Okay. So that's a school board member. And she's Muslim. And she said that Iwo Jima, which unfortunately happened, and these evil things, she referred to it as being evil, now, Iwo Jima, of course, as you know, was a pivotal battle. It's a bloody, bloody battle uh, between Japanese forces and uh, American GIs. I'm sorry, American Marines um, on, um, on Iwo Jima and, uh, in the Pacific. There were two islands there. It was Iwo Jima and Chichijima. And a uh, little, little point of, let's talk about the evil things that were going on. On Chichijima... Uh, Japanese soldiers, Japanese um, officers, when they would catch 
American POWs and capture POWs, uh, the practice was to not only behead them with their samurai sword or their sabers, but also to eat their organs. So they were engaged in cannibalism. Uh, George H.W. Bush, his plane actually went down just off the coast of Chichijima, and it was a race actually between the rescue boat to pick him up and the Japanese patrol boats to pick him up. He was literally yards from being taken captive on Chichijima. And, of course, Iwo Jima, one of the bloodiest battles of World War II, um, was a great victory. You've seen the, uh, the images of the flag being raised and, by those Marines. And so to refer to that as being evil is not only to not know your history, but it is a transformational and fundamental brainwashing of it, to think that this is the person who is sitting on a school board somewhere in America and referring to Iwo Jima as being something that is evil, something that happened, unfortunately. Uh, any loss of life, of course, is unfortunate, but that's not what she's saying. She's referring to this almost as though this was an event. If I'm understanding her context, that this is an event that should have never happened. No, it absolutely should have happened. It, it had to happen. Now, it's interesting, and Chris found this, that nine years after the Battle of Iwo Jima, uh, you know, you'd go in and sit down in an American movie theater and they would play, play the reels at the beginning. Uh, you know, during World War II, everything was, you know, uh, about supporting the war effort. And, and there were these PSA announcements. Well, Chris found one, interestingly, interestingly enough, nine years after Iwo Jima. Uh, this is what they were playing in American theaters. Pay attention. Play the clip. Iwo Jima, the eight-square-mile Pacific island where on historic Mount Suribachi, a monument commemorates the 1945 assault that cost the United States nearly 5,000 dead. To this scene of immortal marine heroism come new marines in an amphibious landing exercise. Supported by sailors, soldiers, and waves of aircraft, they will be coming in for a graphic display of American striking power. The chief of the U.S. Far Eastern Command, General John E. Hull, witnesses the drill. As the landing fleet approaches, the pages of history turn back to 1945, D-Day, February 19th, and the 26 days of battle to secure a vital base on the bombing lanes to Japan. Nearly 23,000 defenders had to be faced, and the U.S. Marines did the job, men of the 3rd, 4th, and 5th Marine Divisions. And today it is the 3rd Division, full strength, some 20,000 men, which storms the Iwo Beach again. Operation Flag Hoists, it is called. Largest amphibious maneuver in the Western Pacific since World War II. Most are young Marines. They heard of Iwo as boys. Now they are part of its tradition. They know now the meaning of these scenes, again out of the past that was nine years ago, when the American flag was raised on Mount Suribachi by the hands of democracy. Now, I know there's going to be those who, you know, you've seen or perhaps read James Bradley's book, uh, 
Flags of Our Fathers. And of course, the Clint Eastwood directed movie based on the book. Um, and you're going to say, oh, well, you know, them raising the flag on Suribachi, that was all one big propaganda move. They wanted that to be able to raise awareness of the war effort. It was a photo op. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand some of that that went on. But again, you can't take away the sacrifice that happened there at Iwo Jima and then turn around and call that evil. Okay. It's amazing to me to compare what we just watched with now. Okay. So, these men took Iwo Jima at a cost of about 5,000 lives, American lives. And then years after that, they're going back doing training exercises in the same place. Now, compare that with today where you have a traumatic experience and you don't want to revisit that. This was a different time, a different, this was a different metal. This was a different type of person. They took them back to the scene of the horrors of war to train them, to show them this is what we encountered. This was the terrain. This is where men died. This is where this happened. We're going to go back there consistently over and over again to show you what we did. And we're going to train in case we got to do it again. You know, Again, this was before people were, you know, a wide discussion of PTS or anything like that was happening. And, and, but just to go back and, and to recreate that as a training exercise just shows you how different we are as a society today where everything is about tribulation avoidance. Uh, we don't want to go through trials. We don't want to be reminded of hard times. We don't. So, so she talks about it as an e this school board member talks about it as being an evil thing that should have never happened. But at that time, the Marines were taking men back to Iwo Jima saying, not only should it have happened, we want you to relive it because we want you to learn from it. That's the difference between then and now. See, see today, your school board members are saying, forget history. Treat it as an evil thing. No, retell it, relive it, re-experience it, learn from it. I guarantee you that when they took those Marines back years after the Battle of Iwo Jima and put them on those beaches, they said, okay, here's what we did right, here's what we did wrong. And we're going to learn from this, and we're going to train so that when this occasion ever arises again, we're going to go at it differently because this is what we learned from that day, from, from that battle, okay? And so we've, we've got, we've so escaped that nonsense. You know, these days, I guarantee you, <laughs> none of those Marines on that beach worried about pronouns. None of those Marines were worried about gender studies. Not a single one of them. Uh, they, this was a different metal of human. I mean, this was just a different makeup. And I don't know. I mean, we could speculate so many different things of what's changed in the last you know, all these years, going back these last 70 years and going, why are we such a different composite of human being? And I could tell you in a nutshell that men like that created good, easy times for America and it made us soft. It, it made us very comfortable. We, we got very reliant on governmental power to take care of us. And then, you know, a social security system and a welfare system and all these things that we became dependent on. We, we expect somebody else to do the job for us. 
Um, we can hire it out. We could, you know, we can draft it in. We could find, you know, the, the, the willing to go out there and do it. Even if they don't do a good job, at least we don't have to go do it. And the fact that we've let our responsibilities just, we just shirked them. We've created a society of weak men now. And we're going to pay for that. You can't, if you've learned anything from history at all, you can't escape the consequences. What you've, what you've sown in the ground of history is what you will reap. And so now we're wondering why we've let, um, you know, the billionaires and Hollywood. And by the way, this was Paramount News, right? That made that, that film. Yep. I mean, look where Paramount is today yeah. versus what they were trying to accomplish there. Because, again, now you have a different type of person running the show. Uh, and patriotism is forgotten. It's dead. And we've let others run it. Well, you can't complain now. You can't complain now because we've let the cabal run the whole deal. And we're getting what we, we're getting what we asked for. We've been comfortable for a long period of time. And now it's going to get very uncomfortable. And we don't know what to do. We will not know what to do. This generation is not prepared for anything heavy. They're just not. We, we've, you know, we are not only obese physically, we're obese mentally, and everything is at the touch of a button. You know, we complain if the internet drags out too long, and, you know, we're worried about download speeds. And this world we're living in, folks, has so uh, um, anesthetized us to humanity and how evil it can be and the horrors of it and if you don't believe me i'm going to tell you just how horrible the world has gotten in the next segment hang tight we'll be right back All right. Well, if you're not depressed yet, let's see if I can get you there. Um, oh, Canada, Canada, Canada. You know, you know. Um, I never in a million years would have thought that Canada, <laughs> of all the countries in the world, would be where they are right now. Um, and, and I historically, I love going to Canada. I love doing shows in Canada, um, especially Western Canada, going up to Alberta, the Calgary area. I love it, love it, love it. But Canada, Canada. Ah, uh, folks. Hey, the prescient poet do it. Uh, <laughs> prescient poet duo of Trey Parker and Matt Stone, of course, of South Park fame, once penned the words "Blame Canada, blame Canada." It seems that everything's gone wrong since Canada came along. So, as often happens in this crazy little world of ours, what was once funny by dint of being absurd has now wandered into the venerable territory of the verifiable. So, indeed, if one were to sniff the wind for the strongest fumes of postmodernist, barely pre-apocalyptic neo-Marxist ideology, one might well find that, you know, that that scent carried on the winds from the north. Yep, from Canada. Now, here's what I want to get to. The Canadian Department of Justice has been talking of late about its Medical Assistance in Dying program, also known as MAID. That's, that's a cute little name. On Twitter, it calls the program a, quote, regime wishing to support autonomy and freedom of choice while protecting those who may be vulnerable. Sounds very sweet. Uh, 
as if that weren't reason enough to never eat poutine again, the Canadian government just announced that it will enforce a year-long pause on certain eligibility criteria so that people who are only suffering from, quote, mental illness are able to, to participate in doctor-assisted suicide. I want to make sure, I want to make absolutely sure that every single one of you out there listening to the sound of my voice right now understand what that means. Under normal circumstances, you can have a doctor help you kill yourself as long as you can check all the boxes off of a certain checklist. That's bad enough, right? But the Canadian government is stepping in to make sure that for one year, they're going to lower the standards just a little bit so that it's easier to get into the program. In other words, let's say you had a guy running your country, and let's say his name was, oh, I don't know, Adolf Schmittler. And let's say Adolf Schmittler really wanted to get rid of all the people in his country who had mental illness. Now, he could go the route of a certain other dictatorial figure in history who happened to share a similar name that rhymes with his own, and he could kill them off in concentration camps. But man, that's a lot of work. Uh, it's a whole, get a redesign infrastructure for that. Why not design a system that brings them right to your door? where he can give them the lethal dose of how do you do all the while telling them and the world that he's just being compassionate. I mean, does that sound about right to you? Folks, what we're witnessing is nothing short of a kissing cousin to genocide. Overly polite Canada has literally figured out a way to make mass suicide genteel. Jim Jones, when he went to French Guyana, he went to the wrong country. He should have served Canadian Kool-Aid. That's right. In too polite, insistent on retaining the French language, beer-swilling, hockey-loving Canada. They're putting a greeting card, compassionate spin on taking your own life with the help of the government and literally developing marketing campaigns to make you actually want to do it. See, this is what I'm talking about when I tell you that we have a real problem of nihilism in our society. You know how we're always talking about how the left ultimately craves power, how they shift the dominant paradigm and play folks like marionettes time and time again in the desperate search to consolidate every bit of power they can to get their greedy hands on it. And even the even dirtier secret is that the shadow preceding that power is always, always, always nihilism in its many embryonic forms. They're like twin dark stars pulled into each other's orbits power and nihilism power and nihilism power and nihilism and they suck any tiny bit of good away from one another in their mad destructive and wild orbital pattern they are the ultimate renderers of chaos and death in our world the poet yates might have inadvertently described it best when he said what rough beast it's our come round at last slouches towards bethlehem to be born because that's what it is if you want to draw out a religious floor for this ideological subset of ideas to dance upon in nihilism we find the absence of meaning in all things in power we find perhaps not a meaning but an excuse for being and that notion manifested in the words and deeds of individuals who buy into it hook line and sinker cannot perhaps be described better be described than as a as a kind of dark messiah in the world of the woke and remember folks remember the woke they're just the current lackeys in time they're also going to get swept away in the fires of the nihilistic and powerful industry. It's our job to stand in the way of that, to fight it off so that our children and their children might possibly live out from beneath its shadow. But perhaps even more importantly, it's our job to make sure that even if we have to live with it in our world, we do not ourselves succumb to it. A belief in nothing and a submission to vile authority comes far more easily than the fortitude to resist such a tidal wave. But we have to stand strong. As the great Samwise Gamgee once said, there's good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Well, 
I'll drink to that. Hopefully all is not lost in the great country of Canada. With any luck, they'll get Fidel Castro's bastard child out of the hot seat one of these days. Throw all the parliamentarian buffoons out on their asses without so much as an accent-heavy story and struggle back towards the good and the light. God willing, Canada will someday do what we should be doing in our own country right now and pray to God to forgive its sins against mankind. In the meantime, well, shit, it's just bad. And Chad, it's um, bad. I got it approved by the upstairs people. We're taking ad space in the Canadian border. Yeah. And we bought two billboards. And the first one says, made, where killing yourself is freedom of choice. Right. And then the next one is Canada. Come kill yourself, eh? <laughs> so, Chad Originals, if you see them on the, on the streets. You see them. Take a picture take of a them. Take a picture of them. them. We're putting up billboards in Canada. There you go, folks. Um, this is why I have people who, who say to me, why don't you come back and do shows in XYZ? And I'm like, nah. You know, I, listen, with the trucker convoy and how that behaved, the vaccine passports, COVID lockdowns, and just Justin Trudeau, I said, I, I'm sorry, much as I love you guys in Western Canada, I can't come. I can't come. These big cities that want me to come, I, I'm like, in America, I'm like, can't come. I'm sorry, you guys are, are running this thing in the ground. Now, I know you'll survive without me coming and doing a comedy show, a mediocre one at that. But I'm telling you something, um, as a principle to me, there's no way I'm going to go boost an economy in a place that is diametrically opposed philosophically and spiritually from everything I believe. Just not going to do it. I, I just stop doing shows altogether if that's what it comes to. Um, so, you know, again, California has been my most supportive state every single year up until February of 2020 when they shut the state down due to COVID. Um, I haven't been back. I haven't been back. I plan to go, I think, in May or June or something like that to La Jolla for a couple of shows at the Comedy Store. But, but that'll be my first time back because of just – I'm not going back where a place requires all of these things that philosophically I'm opposed to. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to boost that economy, even if it's just a little teeny bit. They, like I said, they don't need me, but just a little teeny bit. I'm not doing it because that's, that's my part. Now, if we all got together with that same conviction and said, whether it's a company, whether it is a, a major corporation, whether it's a cell phone provider, whether it's Hollywood or a movie theater chain, and we just said, no, I'm not going to support that. It's an inconvenience for me. Because I've gotten used to the to the you know the honey they pour into my lips, maybe they would stop and listen. They maybe they'd stop and listen, because these are evil people, man. I mean, these are evil people. They, they this is a you know they got a million dollar, multi million dollar ad campaigns going up there in Canada trying to get you to kill yourself. This is weird, man. This is a weird dystopian world we're living in. Uh, and um, boy, I wish I had more time in this segment. I don't. Hang tight. I got something else I want to show you. It's going to blow your mind. Be right back. All right. So let's summer. Let's summarize where we're sitting right now. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, we we become a selfish society uh we become a weak society we don't have strong men we don't have strong women we don't know roles we're very nihilistic 
power is coupled with that nihilism and it is um, destroying our world because it's sucking all the good out of our orbit and just taking all that away. So how do we stand with truth when, when, like, you know, we talked about yesterday, misinformation and disinformation. And it was so profound. If you really missed that yesterday, go back and listen to what Sarah and I were talking about. Misinformation is when you don't know what you're saying and you think you know what you're saying. You think you're right and you say it, but it's wrong. So that's misinformation. You can correct that. Disinformation is a lie. That's when you tell it on purpose with this lab leak and all this kind of stuff. Um, we're living in a world where the media refuses I'm just using them as an example because there's a lot of others that we could hold, hold uh, accountable here. But let's say the media, for instance. The media is not going to come out and say, you know what? We got it wrong on, on the Hunter Biden laptop thing. We got that wrong. We, were, we received information from the government. We were told that this was false information. We reported accordingly. We missed it. We're sorry. We missed it. Um, they could say that about Russian collusion, Mueller report. They could say it about the COVID stuff, the propaganda that went out in that. But they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. And you say, and see, so many people trust the information that comes from the mainstream media. But we all know the mainstream media, even if, they, even if they're sincere, they're still not going to be right 100% of the time. But we treat them as though they're infallible. So if, if somebody comes out there and says, oh, well, uh, you're wrong on that. We believe you're wrong on that. Well, you get fact-checked and all this crap. And I always get a kick out of whenever, you know, uh, I get fact-checked on something and then they send me to some news link in factchecknews.org. And I'm like, you know, the fact-checkers are making up the news and then telling me what are facts. So that it's hard to live in that society when everything is, you know, being determined by the people who already have an object or subjective opinion on a matter or a topic. But here's the thing. When we're trying to interpret the world we live in, it's hard to find the truth when everything is being normalized that is 100% not true. Now, I'm going to show you this video. This video is going to show you why, why we're struggling to find truth in our society because we're denying it. And I'm going to show you why um, we're screwed if things continue to get worse as a society. Um, it is the epitome of weakness. Play that clip. I'm not even going to lie. If you come and visit me at work and don't use my pronouns when they're right on my top, I have this here. We have pride flags over there and basically fucking everywhere. And then don't apologize when I correct you on the right pronouns and just say, oh, yeah, don't expect me to be nice about it. I deserve to be safe at work, comfortable at work, and also to be respected at work. And if you're not going to be a part of that, I'm not going to give any respect back to you. Fuck you. <laughs> you're fired. All right. If I own that shop, if I'm that person's boss, you're fired. Were period. They, were they talking to a mirror in that? Yeah. Oh, I thought they were talking to a person for about the first half of that. No. And then nobody was responding. I was like, I think they're talking to a mirror. They're in the mirror, talking to us, uh, admiring the manicure. You just told so, us, F you, uh, like, we're thinking yeah. yelling to a mirror. <laughs> I mean, obviously, <laughs> this guy is on his period, and he's obsessed with himself because he's talking in a mirror. Uh, his little PSA is to himself, so it probably is representing his multiple personalities there in his reflection. But then this is why... Look, 
we don't care who you are or how you identify. But when you start with the FUs and you're going to cram it down somebody's throat and you're basically in a threatening tone of saying that we have to somehow normalize, accept, and even respond to your mental illness, then we're going to have a problem with that. I believe in being accepting. I do. I, you, you say, hey, I want you to call me this. I'll probably call you that. It's just like calling you by a nickname. I, I have no problem with that. But when you start saying, okay, now there's going to be penalties for me if I don't respond accordingly, well, you can go kick yourself in the balls with that. I'm just not going to respond well to that. This is what I mean when I'm saying they're trying to normalize insanity. Now, you look at this and you say, okay, our world has gone crazy. How do you find truth when people can't even be honest with themselves in terms of who they are? And then you want to create some kind of truth, my truth out there, and then expect the world to respond to you. You're going to get chaos for the rest of your life. So I feel sorry for this person. I really do. Um, uh, I, I really do feel sorry for this person because this is this is what, you know, mental illness looks like. This is insanity. This person. Yeah, this is a problem. And don't worry, though. Uh, we got this clip here of Joe Biden. It's really not Joe Biden. This is an AI fake. This is scary. When you're trying to find truth in society, look how real this AI fake is. Play that clip. The illegal Russian offensive has been swift, callous, and brutal. It's barbaric. Putin's illegal occupation of Kyiv and the impending Chinese blockade of Taiwan has created a two-front national security crisis that requires more troops than the volunteer military can supply. I have received guidance from General Milley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs that the recommended way forward will be to invoke the Selective Service Act, as is my authority as president. The first to be called in a sequence determined by national lottery will be men and women whose 20th birthday falls during calendar year 2023. Remember, you're not sending your sons and daughters to war. You're sending them to freedom. God bless our troops and God bless Ukraine. There you go. Now that's fake. That's an AI fake, which is frightening. So we're living in a world where truth can be manipulated. Uh, but let's say that was real. And you're going to call up the Selective Service. You're going to institute the draft. And you're going to start sending men and women to war uh, in, in Ukraine. Um, are you going to send that little shop person over there who, who's staring in the mirror and bitching about the fact that you didn't get the pronouns right? Uh, that's why I'm telling you, you keep playing around with insanity and mix it in with a false reality. Insanity mixed with false reality is going to lead to destruction. And that's what we're doing. We've embraced false realities and we've normalized insanity. You put those things two together in a world that has embraced nihilism and power. And I promise you, we're done for. We are absolutely done for, guys. So I want you to wrap your head around that. Now, won't read it to you again, but go back to where we started and look at 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, okay? I want you to compare it with everything else I've just said in this entire episode, and I want you to break that down in your head. This is where we are. This is where we've become, and this is why you're not going to fix those people, but I want you to do as the Apostle Paul told Timothy. With those people, have nothing to do with them. Have nothing to do with them, all right? It serves as a warning. Heed it. We'll be right back.
You know, I, I, every now and then I hit, it hits me in a thought, and I'm like, I forget to even bring this up. Where's John Fetterman? He's still in the hospital. Is he even alive? Uh, that's I mean, to be determined. I mean, his wife and his kids took off to Canada. Maybe they're, uh, again. They I might be know. looking into a certain program over there. Maybe so. Maybe looking into something <laughs> for old John, you know? Uh, but anyway, the guy had a, another whatever, and they checked him in the hospital. He's been there for two weeks. Nobody's heard from him. Why aren't the media talking about it? I don't, again, why should we seek truth? Why should we seek reality? What difference does it make? He's just the senator from Pennsylvania. All right, chadpraytherlive.com. Going to be in San Antonio, Granbury, and Cleveland. And then tons of shows coming up. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Going to be in Tacoa, Georgia, Tifton, Georgia. And on down the line all the way till uh, we hit uh, uh, the Permian Basin, end of March. We love you. God bless you. We will see you tomorrow. Bye.